Well, this afternoon, uh, this is uh, one of those four months of any given year, which has five Sundays. And here on this fifth Sunday, we are going to be continuing our walk through the disciples' prayer, thinking about prayer, what it is and why we do it. Uh, Today, specifically speaking about what is called uh, the fourth petition, um, which is give us this day our daily bread. Oh, um, yes, children going to nursery. Uh, Luke is running the nursery, or sorry, Leah is running the nursery today, and so you can go with Leah. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> I miss I miss saw where the finger was pointing. Um, so yes, so can follow Leah to the nursery. But let's turn to Matthew chapter six, verses five through thirteen. And here again from God's word with regards to prayer. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And also added to that. As part of the prayer is, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, which the ESV, for what reasons, doesn't have. But for if you forgive others their trespasses, oh, we end there, verse 13. So, but I'd recommended reading verses 14 and 15 as well. Let us pray. Our Father, we praise your name for you are wonderful and holy, and you've given us this your word. And we pray, our Father, that you would grant to us that we might grow by your word. We pray you would take your truth and sink it deep within us and that our roots in Christ Jesus would might, might be even go deeper. We ask our Lord that you would continue to confirm us and to confirm your work in us. We ask, O oh Father, that you would guide this preacher, chain him to the text of your word and help him to declare your word with clarity, with accuracy, with understanding. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I mentioned earlier as we read the text the, uh, that there's a part of that prayer that doesn't appear in the ESV is because there's a textual variant there, and we'll talk about that when we get to that, which I regard that actually as part of the prayer, and we'll explain that when we get there. So, so you know, hold on to that thought for probably about another year when we get there. So this is a once-a-quarter sermon series. When we think of prayer, just as a review, what comes through our mind? Sometimes when we think of prayer, we will oftentimes shudder because we realize we don't really do it as much as we ought to. It's oftentimes uh, guilt-inducing, or sometimes we think of prayer 
the way some folks would think of the idea of getting up and running a couple of miles, is that it is really hard work. Sometimes uh, uh, detached from any sense of grace where it's it's a duty, and it is a duty, but a duty in such a way that uh, we find ourselves having no sense of God's grace in it. Remember, when we think of prayer, prayer is first and foremost uh, a get-to that we get to do as an act of thanksgiving, an expression of thanksgiving to God. We've looked at Psalm 116, verses 8 through 14, and expressing his thankfulness for God's deliverance of his soul from death of his work in him and being taken out of his affliction. He then says this, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? He says, I will lift up the cup of salvation. That's acknowledging what God has done. And I will call on the name of the Lord. What is it to call on the name of the Lord? It is to say, Lord, help me. It is to ask for more benefits. It is to continue to seek him. We might hear that and say, boy, that's awfully presumptuous to say asking for more is that's not very thankful, is it? Unless you're from the one who is an overflowing well of benefit, an overflowing well of water to seek to say, I'm going to add to that water is an insult to that well. To drink from that well is actually to honor that well. So it's an it's an expression of thanksgiving. Uh, We've learned that we should approach God with boldness because of his grace in Christ Jesus for us, for all of our spiritual and temporal needs. In Hebrews chapter 4, we saw that to to approach his throne with confidence, with boldness, because we have this great... One who interceded on our behalf, who sympathizes with us in our weakness. It's a thanksgiving because it expresses dependence upon God, not independence from God. When it comes to God, to express dependence is an act of thankfulness. It is thanksgiving because it is an act of obedience. We are commanded to pray. And part of saying, th- saying, giving thanks to God for his great gift to us is seeking to obey what he has told us to do. Not in order to get his life, but because of the life he's given us. And it's thanksgiving because it expresses faith in God. When we turn to God in prayer, we are saying we believe God and we trust him. And it's thanksgiving because it is the language of humility, because it expresses not independence, but it expresses dependence. It does not express independence, but expresses dependence. We've also looked at the ways that we oftentimes approach prayer wrongly. We might say there needs to be a minimum amount of time we need to pray, or there needs to be a maximum amount of time that we need to pray. You know, the time when we ask someone to pray before the potluck and they pray and they pray and they prayed for everyone in line and they prayed for everyone else. They say amen and you know, everyone opens their eyes and sees someone's eating the mashed potatoes. Or, nor are there, ma- nor are there minimum amounts of time. That is, and I've told this story before, remember when I was a young man, younger man, when I was a younger man, 
as in my 20s, as a young in, in, young in uh, experience as a Christian, I read these stories of these great saints who got up at 4.30 or 5 in the morning and they committed to spend an hour to two hours in prayer. And I thought, I'm going to do that. I woke up the next morning at 4.30 in the morning. I read a few scripture verses, started saying a few words in prayer, and a couple of hours later, I woke up. Nor is, are there any formulas. In fact, the opening to Jesus' statement, he says there's all sorts of formulas and phrases the Gentiles think they need to use in order for their gods to hear them. With God, there are no formulas. And sometimes we might say, well, we haven't really prayed till we've used the words in Jesus' name. It's not a formula. Rather, it's a posture. It's, it's a stating we are approaching to God on the merits of Jesus through him. And so one can actually say in Jesus name and means and have a different attitude towards prayer and really not be praying in his name. But I do believe it to be a beneficial thing to do because it reminds us of to whom through whom we approach God. And while we should endeavor to pray well and accurately, our prayers are not heard on account of their eloquence or on account of their precision. They're heard on the merits of Jesus and by the work of the Spirit. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, We may not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit intercedes on our behalf with groanings that cannot be uttered. That means it's not things that come out of our mouth, but the Spirit takes and makes those, par- those, makes those prayers fit for the throne room of God and prays according to the, and intercedes according to the will of God. And now then we turned our attention for the last several messages on the disciples prayer, which we oftentimes know is the Lord's prayer from Matthew 6, 5 through 13, which we just read. There's several different parts of the prayer. There's the preface or address our father in heaven. And there's six basic petitions. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today, what we're looking at, give us this day our daily bread. Then there's forgive us our trespasses. We, we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then there's a conclusion for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. We've been going through each one of these different aspects of this prayer and learn what is being prayed and what we learn from each of those when we approach God as our father we address him as our father it tells us about our relationship with God we've been adopted into his household but not a father like an earthly father earthly fathers who often uh, who though try who though do the best with what they have still because they're human fail including ourselves Rather, a heavenly father who's perfect and is able to do that which we cannot do for ourselves. It also orients our minds and our hearts to where our hope and citizenship truly lie. Because our citizenship and hope is not earthly, but otherworldly. It's heavenly. And it also ties us to one another. While our earthly family bonds are important, they are not absolute. Same with other types of bonds that we make, such as ethnic bonds. We have an eternal and absolute family bond with believers from all times of all places. It's not my father, it is our father. 
I have more in common with a believer living in a hut in the plains of a faraway land than an unbeliever at, quote, unquote, my place in life, who is very much like me in other ways, except in my relationship to Christ. And it's the same with you. We learned about the first petition, hallowed be your name, in which we're asking God that God would honor his name in our lives, in the church, and throughout the world by creating worshipers of him through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're also, we also learned about your, uh, your kingdom come. What we're asking for is we're asking that the gospel would become ever more real to us, that the influence of the Spirit would work increasingly in us. We're praying for the church, that we would be a people who have the gospel and cherish it, a people who rest in Christ, for the church to be faithful and to have our offices filled with faithful men and to main doc- doctrinal, uh, be faithful to biblical doctrine in our love for Christ. And for the world, that the world, that, that the word of Christ may go from every, from his people to every kind of people throughout the world. Such so it be true of us as it's been true of us. He's transferred us from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. We also remember in this that Jesus did not offer a social or political transformation or a revolution or a utopian dream in this age in his first coming. That awaits his return. For we are awaiting his return and we're asking for his kingdom to come, for his rule to be made complete and perfect throughout we're asking for the day of judgment and for the full number of elect to come to faith in Christ. We've also learned about your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've learned about God's will. We studied his will, his secret will or his de- decretive will. That is his will that is known only to himself. That, he, that we look at history and we see God's plan for history. The way he's working out history. We don't have access to what he plans tomorrow for you or me. We don't have access to that. That's his secret will or his will of decree. Then there's his revealed will, that which he has said is good and just for his creation to do. We're asking for God's will to be done in our lives, in our hearts, in our church, in our households, and in our proverbial neighbors, that we might live according to the ways that he has declared is true and just, and that he might continue working providentially in us we also and it also includes on earth as it is in heaven where is our father he's in heaven where all is perfect what do we mean by in heaven it's god's will perfectly being done where god is in his dwelling place so we're asking for his perfect will to be an increasing reality in our lives and in our hearts we're asking for our true citizenship to become an increasing reality in our lives it's a lot of review but it's been a few months since we've done this so just to refresh us in that which brings us now to to the next petition the fourth petition remember hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and now give us this day our daily bread the fourth request just on the surface of this for what are we asking we're asking for bread and we're asking for bread today or daily okay 
When we think of bread, what is it that we think of in terms of bread? Of course, I like to make bread. All right. Bread is speaking of something is not just speak. I it's not speaking necessarily specifically of bread as bread. In the ancient Mediterranean world, bread was the basic sustenance. It was the staple food. And so it's asking for sustenance. We're going to see it's not just physical sustenance for which we're asking. That's included. We can't neglect that because God in creation, in, in time, takes care. Seeks, we need to seek his care in, in time, in this age. It's asking for provision, that which is necessary for life, for ourselves and for others, and for it to be given for the day. When we go to the store today, we go to the grocery store and we will oftentimes buy an entire week's or two weeks' worth or months' worth of groceries. The ancient world, when they said daily, they, the daily bread makes sense because <clears throat> folks basically went and gathered things for what they needed that day. But it's also expressing for us what we need for today. We're going to see there's some scriptures that speak to that. As we've been doing in this series, I'd like for us to take a look at kind of a what we would call a literature review or a historical review of what uh, folks have said about this particular request. Uh, we've been using four, uh, five basic uh, sources for that, uh, looking at uh, catechism question and answers. The first is the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Question number 104, what do we pray for in the fourth petition? answer is in the fourth petition which is give us this day our daily bread we pray that of god's free gift we may receive a competent portion of the good things of this life and enjoy his blessing with them now that was the catechism given for the younger ones the one for the older older ones is called the westminster larger catechism and says what do we pray for in this fourth petition in the fourth petition which is God give us this day our daily bread, which is give us this day our daily bread, acknowledging that in Adam and by our own sin we have forfeited our right to all outward blessings of this life and deserve to be wholly deprived of them by God and to have, have them cursed to us in the use of them, and that neither they of themselves are able to sustain us, nor we to merit or by our own industry to procure them, but prone to desire get and use them unlawfully. We pray for ourselves and others that both they and we, waiting upon the providence of God from day to day in the use of lawful means, may of his free gift and as to his fatherly wisdom shall seem best enjoy a competent portion of them and have the same continued and blessed unto us in our holy and comfortable use of them and contentment in them and be kept from all things that are contrary to our temporal support and comfort. So it's acknowledging that we don't have a right to these things because we're sinners, is what it's saying. We don't have a right to these things. We're sinners. It's a gift from God. And to, and to approach it that way and also built into that, it, are, it says, is to pray that we might use those gifts in a way that is consistent uh, with, his, with his ways and with his uh, life. We also have one of my favorites here. 
from the Heidelberg, or this is a version of the Heidelberg called an Orthodox Catechism. What does this request mean? What, uh, what does the fourth request mean? Give us today our daily bread means do not take care of all. Sorry, restart. Give us today our daily bread means do take care of all our physical needs so that we come to know that you are the only source of everything good, that neither our work and worry nor your gifts can do us any good without your blessing. And so help us to give up our trust in creatures and put trust in you alone. And then one other that we'll look at is the, from the Geneva Catechism. What, do, what, mean, what mean you by the daily bread you ask for? In general, everything that we need for our body, not only, found, not only food and clothing, but all that God knows to be necessary for us, that we may be able to eat our bread in peace. But why do you ask God to give you your food when he orders us to win it by working with our hands? Though he commands us to work for our living, nevertheless, it is not our labor, industry, and diligence that provides us with food, but the blessing of God alone, which makes the labor of our hands to prosper. Moreover, we ought to understand that it is not meant, it is not meat that nourishes us, though we have it owing to his command, but the power of the Lord alone who uses it as his instrument. Why do you call it yours when you ask God to give it to you? Because of the kindness of God, it becomes ours. Though it is by no means due to us, we are also reminded that it is not to desire the bread of others, but only that which we acquire by legitimate means according to the ordinance of God. Why do you say daily in this day that we may learn to be content and not to covet more than our need requires? Since this prayer is common to all, how can the rich who have an abundance of good things provide for a long time, provide for a long time, ask for bread, each bread daily? The rich as well as the poor should understand that none of the things profit them unless the Lord grant them the use of them and by his grace make it profitable to them. Thus, in having, we have nothing unless he gives it to us. Now, there's a, there's a, there's actually, this is not in isolation, this idea of give us this day our daily bread. This is actually, I would argue, harnessing language from the Old Testament scriptures. Where might you remember the idea of the people of God getting bread on a daily basis? We can find it in the Exodus narrative found uh, at length in Exodus chapter 16 and summarized in Numbers chapter 11. In it, God had promised, the, se- uh, the section in Exodus is quite lengthy, and time escapes us to read the whole thing, but I want you to look at it. It's 36 verses. So, uh, And Deuteronomy 11 is a, such a summary, it doesn't give a, a nice, uh, the whole picture. But God had provided bread for them, manna from heaven. And it came to them every day, and they could gather all that they needed for the day. But anything that was left at the end of the day would go stale and bad. But guess what happened the next day? There was more manna. This idea of daily bread that comes, that came to them. This is harnessing that kind of language. Give us today our daily bread. God provided for them that manna. They didn't need anything in that. If we read the story, we can see they also got dissatisfied with it over time. You know, they had manna yet. You know, think about you know six months in. Hey, we had manna yesterday. What's what's on store for tomorrow? 
manna. Uh, Keith Green, a singer, sings a song, So You Want to Go Back to Egypt. And he talks and he kind of illustrates that. And he says, More manna, what? We got uh, banana bread. Or manna burgers. The things at which they, and we can see that they actually said, can we have something besides manna? And the Lord also provided meat on a daily basis. But he provided for them. We can see that in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, it says, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes forth from the mouth of the Lord. Now, that sounds something similar like what Jesus said, right? Didn't Jesus say something like that? Yeah, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, the temptation, he said that. And I thank someone for uh, making that connection for me yesterday. But, man, but we see here that, that manna was understanding that even in their temporal provision, they lived by the promise of the Lord. They lived by God's provision and what he had said. We're going to see this goes beyond our temporal provision for sustaining life in this age. But it, but it goes beyond that and points actually to something even greater. But this recognizes that God is the provider of all things, not just for the just, but also for the unjust. Does not Paul say in his sermon, he says, God makes it to rain upon the just and the unjust in his common care, in his common grace. He has, according to his character, he provides for human life to continue even in our fallen state. We call that common grace. Uh, For us people, he calls upon us, according to his unique command to us, to demonstrate that and to seek him for our care. In daily bread, we're looking at we need things to stay alive, to continue living. To promote life for ourselves and to promote life for our neighbor, which is being actually being consistent with the sixth commandment to benefit our neighbor's life and ourselves and our own lives. But we need things necessary for life. There's basic needs. There's food. There's shelter. There's water. And also things to cover ourselves with to stay warm and um, things to also you know, protect our modesty and such. But, we need, but those are things basic and necessary for life. And this recognizes that he is the source of even the means by which they are attained. Whether that would be by means of gainful employment, that is, having a vocation which is able to provide uh, for the means of procuring food and shelter, it is, that is merely a means that God has given Whether it would be through the, if one is, if one is uh, in a place where it's very difficult for gainful employment or otherwise, or maybe has difficulties physically to be able to attain employment, there's generosity, which is a means that God uses and other things God uses to provide uh, for people and for his people. <clears throat> 
And notice when he says daily bread, he's not speaking about all of the things we could possibly ever want. Only that which we need. There are those who take passages like this and say, uh, give us this day our daily bread, saying that it's God's will that he give us our daily bread. So thus that means if we, if we want that uh, nice expensive Maserati, which I've never wanted one of those in one of my life, in, at all in my life, but just as an example, that we just simply need to ask God and he will provide. And if he doesn't provide it for us, it means that there's something amiss about our faith. But is a Maserati necessary for survival? No, it is not necessary for survival. <laughs> that is not necessary for survival. It means that which is necessary for life. We must remember the warnings in Scripture about the pursuit of wealth for wealth's sake. That is a fool's errand. Not that having wealth is, is sinful, but pursuing wealth for wealth's sake in and of itself is a fool's errand. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And he gives warning to those who have lots of money to not be too attached to it. In 1 Timothy chapter 6. <clears throat> But this minimalist perspective draws us to contentment and away from coveting. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is of great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. For if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. It is asking for this, but if we have food and clothing with this, we will be content. It is asking for that. And in this, it calls us to seek his kingdom first. When we think about this, we are called upon here now to seek his kingdom first. One of the greatest worries that people often have is, will I have what is necessary to live tomorrow? In fact, that's one of the reasons people will often go on quests to pursue wealth for wealth's sake. And often why those who have lots of wealth is never enough. It's the same idea of driving. You know, speed, we look at the speed limits and say they need to raise these speed limits. They're not fast enough. Fine, you raise them. Guess what? They're still not fast enough, are they? <laughs> There's always someone who's going to want to go faster. We must remember <clears throat> that God is the one who takes care of us in that regard. 
Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34 speaks to this. It says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That is, to, tr- to seek the Lord for this, to go about the business of seeking the Lord living for him by faith in Christ Jesus, being about his business, trusting that the Lord will, will, will provide, that, provide, the, provide that as well as the means by which he will provide such things. And also when we pray for others in their needs. I've read someone. If we see someone who has a need and we pray, Lord, there are, my brother is, or sister is struggling at this point to be able to uh, have uh, sufficient means for their food, for their clothing. When we ask for that prayer, we also should remember this. God may have us be the ones who are part of the answer to that prayer. Remembering that when he has blessed us and given us bountifully, that he's given us bountifully in order that we might not just simply hoard it up to ourselves, but that we might also be a benefit to our brothers and our sisters in Christ. But it's not just simply about food and clothing and shelter for survival. but rather it also looks beyond our day-to-day food, our day-to-day bread or meat or vegetables or salad or, you know, whatever. Let's refresh our minds about Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3 says. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Again, that sounds familiar. Matthew 4, 4, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What did we learn about manna a little while ago? What did God say? What was manna? It was bread from heaven for God's people. Bread that God gave from heaven as sustenance for God's people as they traveled for the, through the wilderness. 
John chapter 6, verses 28 through 35. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ tells us. Then they said to him, What must we do to be going to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So here Jesus is using an object lesson from the history of Israel about the manna from heaven. God provided bread from heaven to eat. And he said, but there's a bread that God gives, that gives life to the world, the true bread from heaven. And of course, they said, "Um, can you give me that bread? Where can I find that bread? And Jesus says, you're looking at it. I am the bread of life. This word, the Bible testifies of that word, tells us of that one who is the bread of life. Jesus is our bread from heaven. To ask for our daily bread is also to ask that just as we need bread, basic sustenance to live, to nourish our bodies, we need Jesus for our, even more so for our spiritual life, which is of even greater importance. We're asking for God to sustain us in Christian life, in the truth of Christ, having lived, having died, having risen, and is returning. Asking the Spirit of God to minister this truth for us. In so doing, we're asking for our faith to be strengthened in Christ Jesus. To ask for our daily bread is, yes, to ask for our needs in this life. It is even more so to ask that the Lord Jesus Christ be, continue to be made known to us and that he be revealed to our minds and hearts continually that we might look to him and grow in him. Here, First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Since indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Here he says, so having, so having put away all the malice and deceit and hypocrisy, that's actually the command, that's actually a modifier. So putting away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, desire pure spiritual milk in a certain way. How is it that newborn infants express their need for, mother, for mother's milk? They get up out of the crib and say, um, excuse me, mother, it is time for dinner. Would you please feed me? Well, they're actually saying that, but it comes out it comes out in the form of crying. What that baby is actually saying in its cries is saying, "Mother, feed me or I'm going to die." 
Because the baby has an instinctive need to say, I need food to live. If I don't get food, I'm not going to live. It's an instinctive, it's an instinctive need. How much more so should we seek to be fed the, the gracious free food that comes to us in our Lord Jesus Christ? As though our life depends upon it because our life does depend upon it. And so to ask our Lord to feed us Christ. Another note also. It does not say give me my daily bread, but it says give us our daily bread. And being priests, we have been we have been made a priesthood. Christ is our great high priest and we have been made a priesthood, meaning we have access to God. But we do our we do a disservice to the doctrine of the priesthood of believers when we change the wording a little bit to the priesthood of the believer. In which I get to be my own priest for myself. The reason I have a priesthood is, yes, so I can go to the Lord and say, I have my needs. But even more so that I can see my brother who has a need and go to the Lord and say, Lord, my brother has need for daily bread. Would you feed him his daily bread? To be intercessors on behalf of our brother or sister in Christ and for our unbeliever neighbors, that the Lord might show them the bread of life where they might find it and come to faith in Christ Jesus. And to pray that the Lord might provide life, provide for their lives as well, their physical lives, and testimony of the fact that we all have need. So we're not, this is not just simply give, gimme, 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 gimme. But it's also give them, give him give her so when we ask God to give us this day our bread for today we're asking for our needs for this life and even more so our greater need for the spiritual nourishment of Jesus that comes by faith so brothers and sisters in closing we have great need we are needy desperate people And when we look at the various things that God has given to us to sustain us in this life, we must recognize that they are gifts from God. And anything that goes beyond that is an additional bonus, bonus and fair game for saying, maybe I maybe my brother and sister needs some of this, too. Because it's what what do we have that has not been given to us? Even the things for which we labored from our own hands was a gift from God. Because we say, give us this day our daily bread. There's nothing that we have that truly belongs to us. Because God has given it to us. And all things belong to him, so he owns the title to it. But even more so, my brothers and sisters, let us seek the Lord that we might be fed from his hand the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. To be fed him in his life by the work of the Spirit. 
and pray that our brothers and sisters in Christ may have that, that our neighbors who know not of Christ Jesus may be shown that bread and their eyes may be opened and see that bread and believe upon Christ. So let us pray. Our Father, take this your word, which is your food for us, which points us to the one who is the bread of life. And we pray that you would give us our daily bread today and in the next day. And in our various different types of need that we have for us to continue living and surviving, that you would provide for us that need and that you would help us to be willing to be agents that when we have the ability to so do to be a means of that you would give bread to others and we pray these things our father in jesus name amen